0: Rejoicing, 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 rejoicing. Praise God, praise God. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. I pressed pause this morning, and so I'm unpausing us. But for those of you who weren't here this morning, I want to take the opportunity and just kind of get us back on on the same page here so that you can... Uh, see, I'm not going to uh, 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 preach everything, but I do want to establish the direction that we're going, and then we're going to pick up, and I'll encourage you to, to go back and get that CD or watch it online. Uh, Isaiah 9 and verse 6, let's look at uh, this uh, specific uh, phrase in this text. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And our focus tonight will be on that last statement, the Prince of Peace. When we enter into relationship with the Lord, uh, we know him as redeemer we know him as the one who has forgiven of us of our sins but in our time with him as we continue on in this relationship we're going to know the different aspects of his character we're going to come to know him in his fullness and I use the example of um, Moses who encountered the burning bush and covered his face That was his first response when he encountered God. He covered his face at the glory of the burning bush. But as he continued walking with God, he came to know Him in a more intimate way and he came to the place where he wanted to see the full display of the glory of God. He said, show me your glory. We see him coming down from the mountain having been in the presence of God and his face was shining so, so brilliantly that the people asked him to cover his face, put a veil over his face and he still wanted to see more of God and he said, show me your glory. He's no longer hiding his face but instead he is hungry to see more of the aspect and the character of God another example is Abraham because when we see him on the mountain where he was willing to sacrifice Isaac and the Lord stopped him and said I've seen your heart I've seen your faith it's no need to harm the the boy and he had prepared a ram in the thicket to be the sacrifice he came to know God in that moment, in that encounter, in a way he did not know Him previously, and he called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. He named that place God who sees and provides because now I've come to know Him in a way I didn't know Him before. And so this is true for you and I that we will continually grow as we bring our hunger and we bring our attention and we enter into time in his word and time uh, in his presence and with the family of God in, in church services, we will see him and know him and encounter him and recognize aspects of his character more clearly. And when we see this Prince of Peace, it is an indication of his, a manner through which he governs. The, when it refers to the prince of peace, that word is, is indicative of a, a government, a, a way of, of um, overseeing, a way of guiding and leading and, and being an influence in the lives of people. So he is one who governs with peace. And to understand peace, we have to understand peace from God's definition because God has a definition for peace that is much different than the definition that we have in our society. In our society, we view peace often. We define peace as serenity, tranquil, calm. While those are results of peace, that would not be an adequate definition to define the peace of God. God defines peace as a supernatural force, a force of peace. It is a, uh, a flow that provides a restoration uh, so that you would have nothing missing and nothing broken in your life. I wrote the book, The Peace That Comes From Being Made Whole, and the, a lot of that emphasis is on that uh, concept and how that concept, when you see that God defines peace as a force that restores broken, missing things in your life, then you'll be able to interact with that peace more effectively. The peace of God, one great example for me is the Shunammite woman, one of my favorite people. She's one of the the people I want to meet when I get to heaven. I'm going to hunt her down, and I want to talk to that Shunammite woman. She impresses me because when she honored the Lord she respected and made a place for the Word The man of God represented the word of God in her life in that that community. She made a place for the word of God. And as a result, the man of God said, what does she need? He asked her first, what do you need? Do you need me to speak to the king on your behalf? Do you need me to exert any influence for you? And she said, I don't need anything. I'm good. I'm okay. I'm a a woman of means. I'm, I'm okay. And he said to Gehazi, what does she need? And this is the response that, that God has. He looks and he wants to see what's missing in your life. And Gehazi recognized it. He said, she doesn't have any children. She doesn't have a son. She doesn't have anyone to, to be that influence and that uh, uh, um, provider if her, because he also indicated that her husband was older. And so uh, he said to her, call her back in here. And he said, about this time, according to the time of life, you're going to have a son. And she said, that is, don't, don't play with me, man of God. Don't mess with me. That's the desire of my heart. Why? That was what she was missing. That was what was empty in her life. And God provided her a child. And then we see at a certain age, he had gone out to the field with his father. And when he came back in with a headache, laid down and he passed away. And she responded in a way that is totally contrary to most natural responses in that situation. She carried him to the place where she had honored the word. She rested him on the place where she had honored the word. And then she walked the door and she said to her husband I need a a cart and a donkey to go to see the man of God and he said girl it's not Wednesday it's not Sunday what are you doing going to church today and she said peace in the Hebrew you can look in the Strong's Concordance in the Hebrew she said shalom one word one word he said can you imagine him scratching his head about then like Okay, (laughs) all right. He doesn't have any indication of what has attacked his family. He doesn't have any indication of the loss that is at the door of his home. She looks at him and she says, I have the peace that comes from being made whole. I have the peace that causes my life to have nothing missing, nothing broken. Give me that donkey. And so she gets on the cart and says to the driver of the cart don't slow down for me so you can see there is in her an urgency but there is a a clinging to and an and an enforcing of her covenant of peace when see when Gehazi's uh when when the man of God sees her coming he says to Gehazi go ask her about her peace Do you see how it was in their concept? It was in their culture. That was what he... He went to meet her halfway. He saw her coming. They recognized who it was. And he asked her, How is your peace? How is your husband's peace? How is your son's peace? You can look at it. He asked of all three, How is the peace of all of these people in your family? And she said, I have the peace that comes from being made whole. Same response that she had given her husband. I have peace. I have nothing missing, nothing broken. And when she gets to the man of God, she throws herself down at his feet. And Gehazi has a meltdown because he has just failed. He has just failed armor bearer 101 right here. You know, here is the the woman of God who got her arms wrapped around the man of God's feet. And he says, leave her alone. Her soul is vexed within her. But you notice what came out of her mouth? Peace. Even though she was dealing with the situation and there were emotions connected to it, there were uh, uh, thoughts connected to it, she never allowed those thoughts to have activity in her mouth. She instead continually declared the covenant of peace. And because of her stand... I mean, when I think about that situation and her response she became the instrument in the hand of God to bring restoration into her home. The man of God came back with his staff, but if she had not been that connector, if she had not been determined, I will not be missing or broken in my life. I have a peace covenant with God. He will restore to me. There's nothing the enemy can steal from me. As long as peace will continually restore it. She received the restoration of her child's life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He was raised from that dead situation because she stood on peace. So that is an example, an example for us. That is an illustration for us of how the peace of God restores. What she was first missing, he restored. And then when that life became broken, he restored it as well. And so we, we looked this morning at that restoration of peace. We looked at it from a covenant aspect and recognized that it's not something that God wants to apply once. He, not just when something happens difficult where he just comes and gives you a little bit of peace. He wants it to be a continual operation of peace. And so Jesus said to the woman in Mark chapter 5, let's visit that one for a moment. Uh, Mark chapter 5, there was a woman who was broken in her body. She had an issue of blood. And there had not been any success from the doctors and the medical uh, um, treatments of that time. She tried everything, spent all that she had, and continually grew worse. But she said, Matthew, I'm sorry, Mark 5, she said in verse 28, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. So wholeness is the result of peace. Wholeness is the working that peace provides, a restoration Do you see why it's important not just to look at it as tranquility or serenity or lack of chaos in your life, but to actually see that God's peace comes into my life and restores finances. God's peace comes into my life and restores health. God's peace can restore relationships. God's peace can restore anything in my life. And, And He governs by peace. He wants that peace to have a a complete working in your life because the blessing of the Lord is the the contract of the peace. The blessing of the Lord is is the working of peace written out in contract form. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He made it a covenant. Because He is the God of peace. Jesus is the Prince of peace. And when He becomes Lord of your life, He has not had His full expression in your life until He is able to restore what you couldn't fix, what man couldn't fix, what other people couldn't fix. God can fix it. God can restore it. God can put things back together that nobody else. Humpty Dumpty may have fell off the wall and all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put him back together again. But God could. God could have helped Humpty Dumpty. Have mercy. So she said, I want to be whole. If I can just touch. But his clothes, I shall be whole. That was her point of contact. If I can just touch his clothes, that was her wiring from the power supply uh, uh, into manifestation in her life. If that just touch, if I can just touch, that was her point of contact. I shall be whole was her objective, was what her faith was aimed at, was what her faith was, was, was targeting. I shall be whole, just like that Shunammite woman said, peace in my life. Nothing missing, nothing broken. I will not be missing my son. I will not be broken in this relationship with him. I will not uh, suffer this loss because peace is going to come and restore to me. She said, I shall be whole. And she, it says straight away, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately knowing it himself that dunamis, virtue, dunamis, which is defined as miraculous power, dunamis had gone out of him, turned, no, so he noticed it and she noticed it. There was, an, there was a connection from, the, she, her, her wiring uh, made that connection to bring the power that was in Jesus into her life and she knew she'd been made whole and he knew something had happened, that somebody had touched him. So power went out of him that he didn't initiate. There was a release of miraculous healing power that he did not purposefully release. And he said, I know somebody has received. Someone has touched me. And they said, everybody's touching you. He said, no, no, somebody has touched the power. Somebody, you know, you can... uh, um, You could try to bring, you could take aluminum and you could, it looks silver, it looks like metal, doesn't it? You could wrap it up and you could try to conduct wire, you can try to conduct electricity like you would a copper wire. It's not going to carry it, it's not going to carry that power. There were a lot of people touching him with something that wouldn't conduct the power. But she was focused on a specific aim and target and she had it in her heart and she had it in her mouth and her faith made that correct connection and it con- it brought out of him into her wholeness. And Jesus said to her in verse 34, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. Well, we know from from, from his part... It was the miraculous power, that, that supernatural restoration. But he said it was her faith that connected to it. Her faith that brought it into manifestation in your life. And so faith can make you whole too. Your faith can make you whole. Your faith in his stripes. Your faith in his sacrifice on the cross. Your faith in his laying down of his life, him becoming a curse for you. Your faith in the fact that he was made sin who knew no sin so that we could be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Your faith can bring into manifestation all that is available to you in Christ. Hallelujah. And so he then said this, go in peace and be whole. But he just told her she, that faith had made her whole. He says, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Faith has made thee whole, but I want you to go in peace and be whole. Be whole of your plague. And be is a, a word that is a um, standard of being, a state of being. It is the state of being verb. Be... Continually be, and the Amplified brings that out. The Amplified says uh, um, go into peace and be continually healed. Be continually healed. The we says be continually sound in body healed of your plague. Be continually. So he said by maintaining peace, by allowing peace to be the environment she lives in, it will continually provide a soundness, a restoration, a wholeness. Hallelujah. God doesn't want us just having to come get miracles. He wants us to live by faith. He wants us to live in in wholeness. He wants us to live. And we we decided this morning we don't have to wait till, till sickness comes to try to get healed. We'll just be healed. We'll just live. It is possible... According to what Jesus said here, be whole, continually be sound, be continually healed. It's possible to never be sick another day in your life. It's possible. Why? Because there's peace for that. There's restoration so that if something does wear out, then I've got a a warranty. (laughs) I've got a warranty on that part. It's covered under my warranty of peace. It's covered. If, if, if your hip starts to go out, it's covered under the warranty of peace. If, if, if you start to have, uh, uh, if, your, if your heart gets worn out, it's covered under the warranty of peace. He can restore it. He can restore your muscles. He can restore your eardrums. He can restore your eyesight. Hallelujah. He can cause this peace to maintain soundness in our lives in our lives, our our physical bodies as well as other aspects of our life. So he says, go into peace. Be continually going into peace. So from that, I want to move over to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, where Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples moments before uh, he... um, goes to the garden and then on to um, being arrested and, and the the avenue that led him to the cross. Uh, he is having this conversation. Chapter 14, 15, and 16 is this one long conversation. And in this conversation, he deals with specific things that are about to change. Things that because he is going to the cross and going to establish redemption and then from that point going to take his place at the right hand of the Father, there are going to be significant changes in his leadership and in their interaction with God, with the Holy Spirit, and uh, with each other. So he points out these things. He says, I'm, you, you, you've been aware of the fact that you need to love your neighbor... Uh, as yourself, but now I'm going to raise the bar (laughs) and I'm going to say I want you to love the way I've loved you. I want you to love your brother the way I've loved you. He said "In, in dealing with the Father, you've never asked the Father in my name. But from this point on, you'll ask the Father in my name. This is how you will make your petitions known to him. Ask in my name so that your joy may be full. And then he also talks about their interaction with the Holy Spirit. He said, you uh, have had him with you, but he shall be in you. You're going to have an interaction. He said, it's better for you. It's going to benefit you that I go away And they couldn't see it. Uh, Can you imagine? You know, this is the man who had fed 5,000. This is, I mean, they were there and they had five loaves, two fish. We're about to have a riot, Lord. We're about to have a riot. We got five loaves, two fish, and 5,000 hungry men. And Jesus blessed it, broke it, and they ended up with 12 baskets left over. Amen? And so can you imagine that alone? How how could it be better for you to be gone? (laughs) How could it be better for you to go away? But he said, because if I go away, the comforter will come. The Father will send the comforter and he'll be to you every to you. He'll be a comforter the same way that I have counseled you, he would counsel you. The same way that I've led you, he'll lead you. And uh, so in this conversation, he also makes a point in John chapter 14 and verse 27. He says to them, Peace, I leave with you. Peace, I leave with you. Now, they understood peace from God's definition that we've just covered. They understood that peace means nothing missing. Peace means nothing broken. Peace means a supernatural restoration power that can work in my life continually in operation. And, and let me remind you, I did not go home today and unplug my refrigerator. My refrigerator has been running nonstop and I never unplug it. I leave it plugged in. Do you leave your refrigerator plugged in? Anybody go home and unplug your refrigerator? No, you just leave it plugged in. Let the peace remain plugged in. Let it just keep running in your life at all times. Because it is at because of that, whenever I want to go to the refrigerator to access anything out of that that I may need, it's working. Why? Because I've left it plugged in. And so the peace is something that is a constant operation in our life. And Jesus said, I am leaving my peace with you. Peace I leave with you, my peace. I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Now let me tell you your part. Let not, let not, it is within our power to do this. He says that if if, if he tells us to do it, we can do it. He says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So don't put those two, Together, keep them separate because he kept them separate. He said, Don't let your heart be troubled. And also, in addition to that, don't let it be afraid. So, troubled means agitated, disquieted, it means um, disturbed. It can be something that is not apparent. You can be going on with your daily activities. Nobody else may know that you're upset. Sometimes you may not even realize what has kind of bothered you, just kind of in the background disquieting you, just a little bit disquieted. Well, he says that we need to identify those things and not allow them to have activity in our life that things that disquiet you, things that, that agitate you, that they need to be confronted and and removed out of the operation in your heart. Don't let your heart be troubled, neither let fear enter your heart. Don't let your heart be afraid. It is possible to never be afraid another day in your life. It, it, it is possible for you to live fear-free 100% of your time. In a society where fear is sold, propagated, in a society where people think entertainment is going to a scary movie, watching the thrillers, in a society where fear is so uh, acceptable and so normalized and so propagated it is possible for us to condition our spirit to the level that we do not allow anything that would cause our hearts to fear to enter into the heart worry is a form of fear and jesus said it can choke the word he said in Luke 24 that people will see, that people will just looking at the perception of what is going to come on the world at the end times. It hasn't come on them. It hasn't happened yet. But they're just thinking about it. They're just looking at it in the future in their mind. They're just anticipating it. And because of that, their heart will fail. And I like what... Charles Capp said, Charles Capp said, I can never find anywhere where Jesus taught about the natural heart. Every time Jesus taught and used the heart, he was always talking about the spirit of man. And so their spirits will fail them. It is possible that they could have a Sanford and Son response where they feel the physical effect of the worry on their heart because we know it does have a physical effect. Worry causes ulcers. I mean, think about that. A thought of worry can cause the lining of your stomach to have holes eaten in it. Think about that. A thought, a thought of worry that is continually allowed to process in the mind can cause hypertension in your body, can cause high blood pressure. Scientifically proven. Scientifically proven that those thoughts, and Jesus said... For this peace to have its operation. I'm giving you my peace. So I'm telling you, do not let your heart be troubled. You have the power to not let it in my peace. If we'll learn to depend on peace and allow peace to have the decision-making vote. Colossians 3.15. We're going to go back to it again tonight. Colossians 3.15 Jesus said, and I want to read the Amplified if you'll put the Amplified up on the screen for me. The King James says, Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. The Amplified says, Let the peace, the soul harmony which comes from Christ, rule, act as an umpire continually. Again, we see this word continually with the operation of peace. And it says that peace has the ability to arbitrate. And an example that I have seen in my life as a pastor, I've seen people who have had uh, court cases where they could not agree. They could not come to an agreement between them. And so the judge established an arbitrator. The judge appointed an arbitrator and the judge says whatever the arbitrator decides is what we're going to do. And that arbitrator would look uh, fairly, not taking one side or the other, but look fairly at the situation and come to a a decision. Just like an umpire umpire in a game. And no matter what they argue from the stands he was safe (laughs) if the umpire says he was out of there honey he's out of there right that that umpire has the ability to call the situation and peace has a work in our lives to, to have a vote, a deciding vote, and it needs to have the, the, uh, the higher vote, higher than your emotions, higher than your reasoning, higher than your past experience. If peace is telling you something that you don't have any past experience for seeing it, if peace is telling you something that goes against what it looks like, peace is the one who we need to heed to. It needs to have a vote, and the highest vote, the decision-making vote. Let the peace from Christ. Did he say, I'm giving you my peace? I'm giving you my peace. So let the peace from Christ act as an umpire in your heart, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds. Hallelujah. We need to learn how to cooperate with the power of God's peace, the flow of God's peace. We need to learn how to recognize it first of all and then how to submit to it because I know I'm not the only person in this room who has ever violated what peace was trying to tell me to do. I know I'm not the only one, but I will be the first to lift my hand and say I've done things that something right here was telling me the Lord was trying to show me, but I did it and then I look back and said oh, you tried to warn me about that. You tried to direct me in a different way and I violated peace to go in the way because it was habit or because it was what looked right or because of the pressure of other people. But after you've done that a couple of times, you learn how to say, wait a minute, (laughs) wait a minute. I'm not going to be so quick to violate peace anymore. I've been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. <laughs> Not going to violate peace like that again. Why? Because I know it always costs me. I know it is always going to bring me out on the lesser end of what God wants for me. So I have to allow this peace to have its working. And to do that, I'm going to have to employ the uh, weapons that God has made available. Let's look at 2 Corinthians and, uh for the, the rest of this teaching, I want to uh, try to put it more into the how to. How to cooperate with peace. How to, because so, the peace is available. The power's at the pole. The peace is available. Faith and my obedience is going to uh, allow me <coughs> to have it wired in and manifest in my life. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, we see that the Lord identifies that we have weapons. He says, The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God. Uh, verse 4, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God uh, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of the anointed one and his anointing, Christ. So we see then that we have weapons and they are going to work in an arena of thoughts. We have weapons that are mighty through God and the first thing that it indicates is that it can pull down a stronghold. It started with the top level of a thought process. I said the, the weapon of God can pull down a stronghold. A stronghold is a thought pattern that you have practiced, that a person has practiced and practiced, practiced and practiced until it has a, a um, momentum behind it. Have you ever seen uh, the movies and something's on the train track and they say, I can't stop this train track that fast, right? It takes a while to stop a a locomotive. It takes a while to stop that locomotive. They can't stop it in an an instant. And a a wrong thought pattern that has been practiced and yielded to and yielded to is not something that uh, in the natural alone can be just immediately put a halt to, but the weapons of God can pull it all the way down. The weapons of God can pull it down. So let's, let's give some examples of, of strongholds. Uh, I've had the, uh, uh, from my perspective, in how God set me free... I can look back and I can see I did not become a drug addict in a moment. It wasn't, you know, you'll hear people say, well, that first drug. No, it was me practicing, yielding myself to that drug and yielding myself to that drug until that drug had a hold on me that I couldn't get myself free from it in my own power. I, I, when it got to its full-blown addiction, I didn't want to be addicted anymore. It wasn't fun. I wasn't enjoying it. I, I had to continually go back just to deal with the pain and deal with the bondage. It was, it was something that I hated. I hated the life that I was living. I hated that I never bought my children Christmas presents. I hated that if anybody gave me money for Christmas, I took it to the drug dealer on Christmas Day, got a gun put to my head on Christmas Day, and they took my $50. $50. And uh, Because my life was not under my control. That drug told me what to do. It told me how to spend my money. It told me how to spend my time. I no longer had uh, the power to stop the flow of my life. But when I encountered Jesus, yes. <laughs> he set me free and in a moment he delivered me yes. and, and 100% took that power of that drug that I had been under subjection to he when Jesus became Lord that drug was no longer Lord over me. Hallelujah. The weapons of God's warfare. The weapons of our warfare mighty through God. And so but that stronghold was something that I yielded to and practiced and I until it became uh, something that was ingrained in my thinking my thought patterns were around that when I would see certain things it would make my mouth water when I would smell certain things it would make my body react to the drug just like some of you who used to enjoy beer before you got saved you can see the beer pouring out on the commercial in the can and your mouth have you ever had your mouth water and you're like oh no you don't Oh, no, you don't even want to taste that beer. What? Are, forgive me, Lord. It's like you can remember how it tasted. That's your body responding to something that no longer has power over you. Amen? Amen. We've taken that stronghold and pulled it down in Christ. Hallelujah. Fear can be a stronghold. Somebody who has a phobia... Uh, has practiced that fear. They have allowed that fear to get in the mind and have its operation in the mind until their mind is set in that way. They need a renewing of the mind, don't they? And how do we get that? How do we come into a place of of of, coming out of our life before Christ with wrong mindsets and wrong thought patterns and all of the... strongholds of fear and strongholds of prejudice and strongholds of rejection and strongholds of not trusting people and strongholds of whatever the case may be, whatever it is that has had such an operation. Do you know this word in the Greek? Uh, when it was first used in the ancient writings, it meant a refuge, a place of safety, like a castle wall where people would go in for protection when they were under attack. But by the time it came to being uh, used here in this time uh, of the writing, it meant something different. The word had changed. And now the word meant a place uh, like a well-fortified prison. Instead of it being a well-fortified place of safety, it has now become uh, a place of uh, of bondage, a place of slavery, a place where you are there against your will. (laughs) Amen? And so the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to pull down strongholds. And then he says, casting down imaginations. Imaginations are those videos that try to play in your mind. Those videos, there's details with it. There, there's details of what happened to my child, why are they l- running late, why, what's going on, what's, what, and, and all these things that are just scenarios, not real, just imaginations. Well, maybe this happened, and maybe they're stuck on the side of the road, maybe they have a flat tire. All of these things that are not established in truth, but they are having an operation in the mind. He says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. When Eve was encountering the conversation with Satan, and Satan was coming to her, and he, he, there was no resistance. You don't see any resistance from Eve in that conversation. There was not any area where she was making him uncomfortable in that conversation. And when he said to her, did God say, oh, oh, honey, you shall not surely die? He's taking information that is contrary to what God had given her and he is trying to place it in a position above what God said. It is a, a thought that is trying to exalt itself above the knowledge of God above the knowledge of what God said about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, don't eat the fruit of the tree. There's death attached to the fruit of that tree. I don't want you to participate in the death that's attached to it, so don't partake of it. And the enemy came and he brought a thought that exalted itself against and above what God had said, and she gave place to it. She gave place to it. She acted on the word. You you know, Deuteronomy 28 says, if you will hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God to observe and to do all of these things that I command you, what's going to happen? The blessing's going to come on you. The blessing. By doing the word, by acting on the word, by, by hearing and doing. If you will hearken diligently to observe and do. Well, Satan got her to hearken diligently to what he said until she acted on it. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and a tree to be desired to make one wise and a tree that was pleasant to the sight, Genesis chapter 3 says she took of it and ate of it and gave to her husband with her. She'd never seen it that way before. She had her mind renewed in the wrong direction, didn't she? She allowed the wrong thought to take a, a place of authority in her mind and then she acted on that thought. But God established His thoughts, His words, for us to set in the authority of our life. And when we act on His words, we're going to have His results. When we act on His words, we open the door for His peace, His restorative power to have its operation. We make place for the blessing to have its flow unhindered in our life by being doers of the Word. All these blessings will come on you and overtake you. And what do they cause? Wholeness in your harvest, wholeness in your body, they cause wholeness. All the blessings produce a fullness of your life so that you don't have anything missing or broken. So the, the thoughts, Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. Well, the way not to let your heart be troubled is to take them captive in thought form. You know, a thought is easier to take captive when it's in a thought form than having to deal with a stronghold. If I'll catch it at the door, if I'll deal with it at the door of my mind and I'll take it captive right there and I never let it get in to give me any imaginations, any high things that are trying to take a position in my thought life higher than what God said about my life, hallelujah. Hallelujah higher than what God said about my life. I've got to continually keep what God said as the ultimate authority. No, God said... I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord God said I'm the head and not the tail I'm always going over I'm never going under God said he is causing me to triumph thanks be unto God who always causes me to triumph thanks be unto God who gives me the victory who will separate us from the love of God I'm going to take what God said and I'm going to exalt it in my life and give it its governing position I'm going to do it. I'm going to act on it. I'm going to be who he said I am. I'm going to walk in the light of the righteousness I am in Christ Jesus. I'm going to exercise authority over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt me. No weapon shall, that is formed against me shall be able to prosper. If any deadly thing touches me, it shall not hurt me. I am going to walk in the light of the word and let it have a governing effect over my life. It's in authority. The Word is in authority. Hallelujah. But because of the way the enemy works, that has to be something that you maintain a guard over. He said, he said, attend to my Word. Keep it in front of your eyes. Keep it going into your ears so that your heart becomes full of the Word because out of your heart flows the issues of life. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. How does trouble get in the heart? The devil can get in your heart. He has no power to walk up and while you're asleep put trouble in your heart and you wake up and say, oh, how did this trouble get in my heart? He does not have the power to do that. The, the only way into the heart is through the eyes and the ears. In order for it to get into your heart, the word... It needs to be in your eyes. It needs to be in your ears. Those are the gates into the heart. Your eye gate, your ear gate are connected to the heart, the spirit of man. And so if that's how God's word gets into the heart, that's how the enemy's troubling thoughts try to get in. But he said don't let them. Don't let them. In other words, it's in my control. It's in my power. I can let it or not let it. Well, that changes everything. That changes everything. You know, when I found that out, that freed me because I had such... When I would drive through certain places of town, the the guilt of all of my life before Christ and all of the things and and the, the, the proximity that I knew how close I was to certain drug dealers and and all of these wrong connections. And I would just hate to have to drive through that area, but I had a family member that, that lived not too far, and so I had to go there sometimes. And when I found out that my thoughts are my thoughts, I can choose not to think thoughts that come. I don't have to accept every thought that comes in. That is not my thought. That phrase right there set me free. When it would come to me, I would say, that's not my thought. I don't want to think that. I cast that down. I cast that down. I take it captive. I like what Brother Keith Moore says. He says, every believer needs a bouncer at the door of their mind. I have a list here. It's Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. And it says whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are a good report. If there be any praise, if there be any virtue, these are things I can think of and you don't fit the list so you can't come in. You are denied access to my mind. (laughs) Need a big bouncer at the door of your mind. Amen? Because there are thoughts that... and, And so you better know where the mute button is on your remote. This is my pastorly advice for every faith builder. You better know how to get off that channel. I, I like what uh, Prophet Ford said uh, when his grandmother would talk back to Matt Dillon. <laughs> Matt, don't you know they're around the corner? Don't you know they're hiding and waiting out for you there? But then he, he, after, after thinking that she was foolish for doing that, he finds himself talking to the news. Why you've got to answer it? You cannot let that thought have uh, uncontested activity or place in your mind. If you don't answer it, then it's just still there operating. It's just it's still there, kind of having. You got to open your mouth. You can't deal with thoughts with thoughts. You can't come against thoughts with thoughts. You've got to come against thoughts with words. You've got, to, you've got to follow the example Jesus gave when Satan came to him. It was a totally different story than the way he attacked Eve. He came to Eve and he talked and she listened. He came to Jesus and he talked and Jesus said, it is written. It, he pulled the sword. He did not let one thing that the enemy brought to him go unanswered. And he didn't think it away. He didn't say, don't you know I'm a child of God? Don't you know I'm the Son of God? Don't you know I'm the Messiah? He didn't b- pull any of that. He opened up his mouth and he pulled the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And like Pastor Steele says, he cut the devil long, lean, and often. <laughs> Just cut him with that sword of the Spirit. It is written. And you know, the enemy didn't stay long. He didn't stay long. Why? Because we answer with the word, it makes him uncomfortable. When we answer with the word, it is damaging, it is defeating to him, and he's not going to continue a barrage against a person if they are answering with the word. We'll wear him down. Hallelujah. But if a person is crying about it, hear, hear me, and, and I am not in any way insensitive to uh, mental attacks or, or things that, that, come, that have a very real heaviness with them. This is where I, I think a lot of Christians miss because they feel it and it is so real. That doesn't mean that it's God. It can be very real, but you can defeat it. It can have a, a real heaviness that comes over your home, a heaviness that comes over your, your mind. But you can, you can defeat that. Yeah. You can resist that. Amen. And the more that you maintain your thought life with that bouncer at the door, the less and less opportunity the enemy has to bring any of that heaviness. Why? Because there's such an authority of the Word. There's such an authority of, of God's presence and the peace in operation. You know, I can look back and I can remember those times of feeling those, those thoughts and, the, and all of the, the pressure that those thoughts would bring to me. But it's been years. It's been years. It was so real at the beginning, but the more I began to learn the weapons of my warfare, the more I began to act on the Word, the less and the less and the less that those thoughts had any activity in my life. Hallelujah. It's not hard. It's not hard. It might be different if you haven't done it before. It might be different to to maintain that thought life and say, I'm not thinking that. I'm turning that channel. I'm not going to let that commercial play. I'm not going to do what they tell me when they say, do you have high blood pressure? Do you feel uh, uh, restless leg syndrome in your legs? No, I'm not checking my legs to see if I have any restless leg syndrome in my legs. My legs are fine. I'm not checking. Why? Because some of those thoughts... Are, are thoughts to lead you into a process in the mind that you don't need to have because it's going to trouble you. Yeah. It's going to agitate you. So uh, he says that we can take the thought captive. And if you take it captive, then you it will never have the uh, operation of an imagination and it will never become a stronghold. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Does it say all? Does your Bible say all, Brother Bill? All. All? Can I do that? Can you do that? Well, it's in the Bible. So you must be able to all care, you must be able to cast it all. That means not one care is left on your plate. Not one care is left for you to carry. I I heard uh, Charles Capp say that, or no, it was Brother Hagin. Brother Hagin said, this woman came and said, Oh, Brother Hagin, pray for me, pray for me. If God would just take half of my, my burden, I could carry the other half. If he would just carry half of it. And he said, I can't pray for God to carry half. He said he, to cast all of your burden. All, all, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. This word cast is a word. It is also used when they uh, brought the donkey to prepare for Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem and they cast their garments upon the donkey. It means to cast upon, so it's not talking about like casting a fishing line out. It means to take something and cast it upon. You no longer have it in your hand. It is now upon the beast of burden. It is upon the one who is designed to carry it. So he, this is the word that's used, and it is a a, a specific, uh, clear instruction to cast all of our care upon him, all of our care upon him. And then it says, because he cares for us. This word care means that he is concerned, thoughtful, aware, and giving meticulous attention to us. He is giving meticulous attention. He said for us to cast all of our cares, all of our burdens upon him because he's giving meticulous attention to us. And when I see this verse, it makes me think of one of my favorite verses from Isaiah 26. Verse 3 of Isaiah 26 says, He keeps in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. He keeps in perfect peace. So casting my care upon the Lord is how I, I obey his instruction not to let my heart be troubled. Because if trouble comes and it happens to get any operation, I need to deal with it immediately and cast it upon the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and look at Isaiah 26 as we're about to close here. Isaiah 26, and I want to compare one other verse. Oh, I have more, but you can only handle what you can take in one sitting, so... Isaiah 26, 3, He keeps in perfect peace. Thou will keep Him in perfect peace. And I do want to indicate here that in th- this is Hebrew, uh, the Old Testament. It was originally written in Hebrew. And it is the word shalom, shalom right there in this verse. He keeps in shalom, shalom. He keeps in a continual Uh, perfected when it says perfect peace it's describing it because it's saying this is a well-developed this is a person who is has got a fully operational well-developed restoration in their life he keeps us in that place he keeps us in that wholeness that restoration as we keep our mind stayed as we keep our mind focused So if I'm focused on Him, I'm not focused on the problem. I'm not focused on the worry. I'm not focused on the bad report. I'm focused on Him. And then it says, because He trusts in thee. So trusting in the Lord is the mechanism that I can use to keep my mind state on Him. I trust in Him. Whose report will you believe? Whose report will you believe? It says, uh, Who shall believe our report, and to whom shall the arm of the Lord be revealed? Well, the person that believes the report, that's the person who's going to see the arm of the Lord revealed to them. The person who's trusting in Him and looking to Him and expecting, God's going to keep me. God's going to make a way for me. God's going to see me through this. I've got my mind stayed on the Lord. I'm not going to give my attention. I'm not talking about sticking our head in the sand and, and being clueless as to things that are going on, but you can be aware of what's going on without letting your mind continually run it through the process until you, 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 are, are, you are, are yielded to, until that thought process has, has operation that it's hard for you to stop. I've, I've told this. It's been a while since I told this, so I'm going to tell it again. Because, you know, pastor says past that, that there's a pastor's tool belt and stories are on it. <laughs> when my, um, my daughter Angela was going through some very difficult situations in her teenage years, she was making decisions that were putting her in physical danger. She was making decisions that were out of my control that I couldn't stop and I couldn't fix them. And it was a very difficult time in our lives because we were standing on the word for her and everything that we would see happening, uh, attempted suicides, uh, uh, in and out of the hospital, different things, uh, ran away, uh, all of just, just a complete rebellion, getting in trouble with the law, and, and there were things that I knew, if you'll listen to me, I can help you fix them. You know, we, we've got God. God will help us. We can put this back together. But uh, the decisions that she was making, it was, uh, praise God, she's much better today and, and walking a much stable road. And uh, God uh, is, is at work on her uh, to lead God. her into uh, His perfect plan. But during that time... I found myself one night about 1230 at night, one o'clock in the morning, and my mind was so running with the problem. It was pulling every detail of her situation through my mind. And I was trying, I was just, it was just like this revolving, like the hamster on the wheel. And I wanted to be asleep. My husband was asleep. He had cast his care upon the Lord, (laughs) and he had gone to sleep. And I'm sitting up here tossing and turning, and I would say, Lord, I don't want to think about this, but my mind, I would try to make it shut down and go to sleep, and it would kick back on. And I'd never had that happen to me since I'd been saved. It was just continually coming back into my mind, and it would make me wide awake again. And so I knew I've got to do something specific here. I've got to do something to combat my mind. And so I had memorized Psalm 91 some years before. And I knew if I get up, my husband will wake up. And I don't want to make both of us awake. So I've got to stay in bed. So I know Psalm 91 by heart. I started whispering it. Not just thinking it, because you can't deal with thoughts with thoughts. I started whispering it. And I would sit there and whisper, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, He is my fortress. I would go all the way through, and, it, and then I would start back at verse 1 again. And, and I, I went through that. It took me about 45 minutes of speaking the word before I got my mind under control. And when I woke up the next morning, I repented to the Lord that I had allowed my mind to get in that shape. And from that moment, and this has been a number of years ago, from that moment I determined I am not going to allow worry to enter into my thought processes and gain such a momentum in my life. I had to start guarding and I had to start casting the care of that upon the Lord. If, if you can't fix it, why worry about it? That's what Jesus was saying in Matthew 6. Well, take no thought. When nobody can make you grow. You can't make yourself grow by worrying about it. You can't change it by worrying about it. Worry is not going to fix it. So don't worry. Hallelujah. Amen. Do you know the part of a person, and, and I'm not looking at any, any person in particular. Let me look at this ceiling. The part of the person that worries is the flesh your spirit always would choose faith and trust if you'll give your spirit the decision your spirit will say we're going to trust God but if you enter into worry it's not your spirit saying come on we got to worry about this it's not your born again spirit it's the flesh having an operation, you never let the flesh drive the car. Don't put your flesh in the, in the driver's seat to have a directional guide. Don't, just cru- keep it crucified. Don't let the flesh have any activity because it would, it would start with worry, but it's going to go to the extreme. So perfect peace, shalom, shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. Takes place as we keep our minds stayed on the Lord. I'm going to stop right there and we'll pick it up again the next time I have the opportunity, because uh, this is helping us. Yes, it is. This is helping us. We have got, we have received from the Lord tonight. Amen. We've got we b- the bullets have been passed out. You are now fully armed. Amen. You are armed. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, and you can resist thoughts, and God can't do it for you. The Lord can't do it for you. You've got to be the one who chooses. That's not my thought. I resist that. I come against that with the word and and allow uh, God's word to have the ultimate authority in your life. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word and we take your word seriously, putting it into operation in our life that your word would have uh, the directional governing power over the decisions that we make, over the activities in our life, that there would not be any worry or agitation or troubling thoughts allowed in the hearts of your faith builders, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We receive it in Jesus' name. Praise God. Did you receive tonight? Praise God. Would you stand with me to your feet? He's good and His mercy endures forever. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Perfect peace. He is the Prince of Peace and He's going to keep us in.